Yeah, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Eight Figures. I have Elliot Rowe on the show today, and Elliot is a mindset coach who also runs the app Prime Mind. Now, I'm really excited for you guys to hear a little bit from Elliot. I've been working with Elliot for a little bit now, and we'll talk about that later on. But first, Elliot, welcome to the show. Hey, AJ. Thank you so much for having me on. I am really excited. And normally, I try and talk a little bit about you know the guest's background, but as I was joking with you just a couple of minutes ago. You have such a cool origin story for Prime Mind that I would love if you just shared with the audience sort of how you got into doing mindset coaching. Yeah, so I've been in the industry now since um, I think about 20, 2010, um, I started out. So, you know, coming up 13 years in the industry. Uh, but it started a little way before then. Previously, through through my childhood, my teens, my, my 20s, I had a significant fear of flying. And when I say significant, I would do short haul flights, but the thought of flying would actually sort of ruin my weeks before the vacation and then ruin the vacation because I knew I had to get on a plane on the way back. I wouldn't go to America. Like I had options to, to fly across, you know, friends going here on holiday that sort of thing and i just wouldn't do it purely because i was too uncomfortable with the thought of a flight of that length now i was working in investments and someone recommended a hypnotherapist for this and i was skeptical or as i think almost everyone is because you think of the stage hypnosis but i went to this hypnotherapist and it was like a therapy session we get into this guided meditation like state so you just feel very relaxed and then she started asking me about memories around fear of flying and the initial memories that came up were around turbulence in airplanes which is pretty normal and then we got to a much earlier memory of me being at my grandfather's house as a small child seeing a picture of a plane a small small jet and being told it crashed and killed his business partners and it wasn't a memory that i was conscious of and as we sort of processed that let go of the emotions around it i felt differently about flying and i felt like i didn't feel scared anymore and and when I saw my parents next, I said, hey, you know, this memory came up. Is this real? And so their response was, of course, that's real. You know that that plane crashed. And so there was something that I wasn't consciously aware of that was real, that was happened in my past, that gave a rational reason for why my subconscious thought that flying was something that was life and death. So I was seeing it as this, you know, people die if they get on planes. And every time I was getting a plane, I, I was feeling this life and death response. And since then, like I would say if my fear of flying was a probably a genuine nine out of 10 rather than a 10, I think I never would have got on a plane. I think I was at a nine. It's probably at a two or a three. So I've got no stress getting on a plane, no stress booking a flight. And then if I'm on a flight, if it's crazy turbulence, I'm not comfortable. But I see that as normal behavior a normal thing to feel yeah. on a flight rather than an yeah. abnormal rather than an abnormal response and i was so interested in this that i thought i would learn hypnotherapy really as a hobby and to be like someone says they're scared of something i can be like oh i can fix you like let's so i was thinking friends and family so in the background of my work i got myself qualified found a comprehensive course it took about a year to get qualified in it again thinking it was going to be this sort of side thing i did for fun and then 
people started getting results and they'd recommend their friends and recommend their friends and recommend their friends. And I started making more money than my other job did. And I decided to make the shift. I sort of took the leap. And instead of focusing on the investment side of things, which is sort of only focusing on making money, started to focus on what I actually enjoyed, which was the hypnotherapy work and helping people and coaching. And that became my career. So yeah, I've been doing that now since 2010. And I was lucky enough that pretty early on, I, I started working with high performers. So like you mentioned, it started really with professional poker and then UFC fighters. So they were the first high performers. And then the results went really well in those industries and people in other industries started to notice. So other athletes in other sports started reaching out Wall Street traders started reaching out, crypto traders started reaching out. And and then from there and the success in those areas, it started being more CEOs and founders of companies who wanted to look for the same sort of edge in their mindset. And now my work is predominantly working with founders of companies, CEOs. And then I have some percentage of traders, a very small number of athletes now, and then a few poker players as well. But my business now is is certainly much more business trader focused, whereas, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was definitely more sports and, and poker focused. Yeah, we met through the Baby Bathwater business group. So it's really funny. I had heard really great things about you. And then it was like, oh, it's introduced to you. I'm like, wait, I remember hearing great things about you. So that was oh, pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> it's always fun. Yeah, some of the things I've been noticing and working with you now for a couple of months, just over a month. When you're working with high performers, what do you think sort of that value generation that people are getting working with you? So my target market is a, is a strange niche in this sort of world. So I'm working with people who are at the very top of an industry. So they've already been successful. They're already successful typically. And the extra few percentage points that we can get out of them are extraordinarily valuable. So if I'm working with a pro athlete who's top 10 in the world, if they can shave 0.5 of a second off their time, that makes them number one in the world. And that's extremely valuable. With traders, if they're already trading huge sums of money, being slightly sharper, not making that mistake could be worth $10 million to them, those sorts of things. So I'm working with a, a portion of society where nominal improvements of performance, which are really hard to get once you're already at that level, are extraordinarily valuable. So the first point is I never work with people in crisis. So people aren't coming to me and saying, oh, my life's in a state, I'm struggling, and we're trying to get them from 20% to 50%. I'm working with people who are at sort of 90, 95%, and they're trying to get to 97%. But those few percentage points are extraordinarily financially valuable. So that's one of the things that's different with high performers. And that obviously means that a lot of the low hanging fruit has already been <laughs> it's already been hit. So there's a lot of exploring as to where we can find this edge. So where is the thing that we know they need to do that's going to make a difference that they're not currently doing? And a lot of the time, it's about them starting to be honest with themselves. So if competitors in the market or in the sport, they often know that the person who's number one in their industry is actually doing more than they are. So what does the number one in your industry do? Oh, well, they do X, 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 X. Okay, of those, what do you do? Okay, well, I do this one and this one, but I don't do this one and this one. So, okay, we can say that this isn't a knowledge issue because you already know what your competitor's doing that you're not. You're just choosing not to do that. And then it's a case of us looking at why is the client choosing to not do these things? And usually there's a fear of failure, fear of success, imposter syndrome, self-sabotage. And those issues are costing them finding out how good they can be. Oftentimes they're like holding themselves back from trying their best 
Because if they give it 80% and they fail, they can always say, hey, well, I didn't give it 100%. It's not really failing. I'm just sort of, you know, I just chose not to try hard. Whereas if someone gives 100%, they actually find out how good they are. And that is very, very scary. But their results will be better if they give 100% than if they give 80 So it's my job to try and get people to this stage where they're subconsciously ready to give 100% and find out. And if they fail, that's fine. It's not something they need to be scared of, but it's just part of a growth trajectory for them. Yeah. And you know, that resonates very much with me because as someone who's had success in the past, not the success I wanted, but still success in hindsight, it is very hard sometimes to recreate that urgency, that sort of force. You hear a lot about entrepreneurs sometimes. There is success from experience, and that's what I talk a lot about in the show and have great guests talking about how they've used their experience as entrepreneurs to get better. But then there's also the hindsight of like, well, how much do I really want to put at risk? Where I think sometimes that yeah. earlier experience of burning the boats in the sense of forcing the issue to make it or blow up trying, it's not always the best way, but there is something very powerful in getting you to achieve a goal when you do that. And our conversation, what I really have liked in the work in talking with you both in our sessions and then also in listening to your app primed and going through that what i like is it's pushing me to become more comfortable in my fear yeah i mean in general people talk about doing these things but it is sometimes hard to just allow yourself to acknowledge the fear and be more comfortable in that space before kind of talking about how an entrepreneur can use this where did the app come from? Let's talk about that because I also think this is really cool for an entrepreneur who's listening to you. One, it's the accessibility of the app, but it's also an interesting. I like how you built the business between the two because you did mention earlier you like to focus on working with people here in the hypnotherapy part. So how did that break out just for the audience to understand? So I was working with, as I say, athletes, poker players, some business people, and one of the poker players did extraordinarily well. So we started working together in 2015 and over a couple of year period, he cashed for around $30 million. And previously he had cashed for, I think about $500,000 in total. So, you know, extraordinary story in poker. It was just, it was an incredible story to be involved with basically. So he reached this stage and he was like, look, I feel that the work we did had a huge impact on the success that I had. And he was kind enough to be really public about this. And he said, hey, would an app work? Would we be able to do something where it's recorded audios and it's not going to be the same as the sort of sessions that I'm doing, but could we be able to do something where everyone has an opportunity to experience this? And that's where Primed Mind came from. So it came from really him saying, hey, I would like to invest in this because if we can offer this to the masses, you know, instead of it being people paying high ticket to work with you individually, you've only got so many hours, we can share some percentage of what you're doing with everyone, effectively anyone who has a phone. And one of the reasons a lot of the stuff in the app is free is because of that idea of like anyone who has a phone can start to work on themselves with hypnotherapy and obviously there are paid upgrades and things, but is literally just available to anyone for free. So that was the starting point. But as you correctly said, like my joy is doing sessions with people. I get to talk to super interesting people. I get to help them make changes that can then impact the world and have these crazy successes, which being part of the story is really fun for me. So I then have a CEO who runs Prime Mind and realistically, I 
I make the audios, I'll do podcasts like this, but the managing the team, the making decisions on the strategies, all of that's handled by someone else. And I focus on my expertise, which is coaching and then making audios and things for the app. But predominantly, I'm coaching all day long. And that's what I want to be doing. <laughs> I do the job I'm good at and I do what I truly enjoy. And that's sort of my main focus. Really cool. Yeah. And I like the sessions, especially the counting down. That's the fun part. But what I find very much is my mind is very noisy. But as I go through, usually in that 10, 12 minute mark near the end, and they're very short. They're usually between eight and like 14 minutes, what I've noticed. There's some clarity in what I'm trying to focus on, where before I find a lot of times I may be thinking of a large, loud cloud of things that need attention. And by the end, yeah. it's like, okay, now the reality is that's all. This is the this. thing. But these are the things that if I can get, if I can get these done, that moves things further along. And I really like that from the app. And then what I felt was in talking with you in the sessions, like a lot of things, one, the very simplest thing that it is just focused. We talk a lot about sort of the things I'm bringing into the table, where my mindset is, and you engage there to help me move sort of my focus a little deeper and stronger. As I said to you, for me, it is I feel rusty as an entrepreneur. Sold the company, had some nice time helping some other people, got very lucky in the crypto time in the first couple of days. Who knows what will happen with that again? But coming back and rebuilding some things and really focusing on the podcast, but then also looking to acquire a business, I realized that the structure I've had in the past, I was just holding over my head because I was like, oh, I'm just going to do that again. And whenever I kept doing it, I was like, ah. So hindsight was, well, yeah, I built that up over a few years. You just don't start doing that. And that's, I think, the interesting thing in working with you is that like, okay, let's just move. Let's get step as we work with it, as you push me. What do you think sort of helps them around their mindset to sort of focus on and kind of go deep on? Well, I think oftentimes when someone's in limbo, especially if they're in limbo for a long time, they're holding themselves there for a reason. And that's where I really believe that that fear of failure, fear of success, the self-sabotage sorts of issues, that's what we're seeing playing out there. So typically there's some reason why making that next step is uncomfortable, especially if there's a position where you're describing, you know, a successful entrepreneur looking for a next project. A successful entrepreneur is in a very comfortable place. If you've had an exit, in a lot of cases, they don't really have to do anything else. Right. So they've had a success. They're very comfortable. They want to stay busy. So they're staying busy with something. But the next one is they're also then going to risk their reputation on the next project because the first one wasn't a success and they've sold and they've done well. And when they give 100% to the next one, they're going to be saying, I'm trying this. It's going to succeed or fail. And I'm going to feel a certain way about myself with it succeeding or failing. So oftentimes they're holding themselves back from finding out because it's much easier to keep yourself in the comfort zone. So oftentimes my sessions will be a lot digging into that fear, digging into self-worth issues, understanding where that came from in their past to try and help them into this next phase of growth with the sort of the growth versus the fixed mindset of, hey, people only hire me because they want to do something big. 
So they've hired me because they want to make the next step up. That's clearly a sign that they are ready to make a change. And then we need to switch them into the growth mindset of the only real failure is not trying. And if we try this new thing and it doesn't work out, then that's just something for us to learn from and then move to the next and the next and the next. But if you stay in this comfort zone of limbo, really that's the failure because you're just wasting your life and you're wasting your potential rather than finding out where your potential can take you. That's what I've seen with a number of successful entrepreneurs who are in that sort of the middling stage, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. does not resonate except 100%. It is an interesting <laughs> phase because I think for many entrepreneurs, it's the concept of like, oh, the difficulty of getting something started, the difficulty of hitting different growth plateaus. But in this situation, this is something that I'm hearing, not just in my own head, but in talking with other people who've been entrepreneurs and have had success at varying levels. It is this idea that yes, they know they can go do more, but where do they kind of get that fire back? And I think mm. there's a lot of talk, and this is also something that's been interesting in our discussions. I think previously it used to be just, we make more money, and I still hear that a lot. But I do think there's more conversation about the why around businesses, and people are realizing that as difficult as truly understanding your why, it is adding a lot of value to your ability to do things, pushing into that and pushing into the why and the understanding allows you to go further. It's not just, yes, making money is a really nice thing, but there's a point where it's kind of more of a tool than, and it sounds horrible at times to say this, but it's like, yeah, you kind of do well. And then now it's the money is something that is more about what it allows you to do more of, not just to make it. So getting into that why I think really does help. And I know that listening to you know the prime net, uh, prime net, and then talking to you, it is really kind of pushing in and talking about the things that the little boy inside me, but then also sort of the man I am continually becoming. It's an interesting thing to kind of push deeper. You talked about sort of helping them see the things that are holding them back. But like, how do they then take that moving forward? What's that type of experience? So if we say, hey, this client's holding themselves back because there's a fear of failure. Through the hypnotherapy sessions, we'll start exploring where that's coming from. When we're looking at fear of failure, it's usually some kind of fear of judgment. And they'll start bringing up memories of childhood, typically of parents not showing enough love and affection, feeling judged by parents, feeling judged by teachers, something along those lines. We go back into those memories and we basically manipulate those memories. So memory is malleable. Every time you think back to something, it's slightly different. And with hypnotherapy, we can go back to those memories and we can change the framing of it. So let's imagine the issue that's causing all of the stress and anxiety is about being bullied when you were seven and someone beat you up. We're going back to those memories and we're seeing that from the outside through an adult perspective. And what felt like life and death when you were hit when you were seven years old to adult looks like a seven-year-old punching another seven-year-old. And it wasn't life and death. And you did get through it. So we start releasing the emotions around it and give it an adult setting. So what was a core memory that created a feeling of being unsafe or not good enough or a victim or whatever it might be 
We reframe that as, yes, at seven, you had a fight, like this is what it is. And we remove the emotional response to it. And by changing those, they're like the ankle memories that get triggered. That memory is no longer there in the same sense. The big emotional feeling around it is just different than it was before. So the things that were triggering you and holding you back and you're keeping yourself safe, your subconscious isn't going to be trying to keep you safe in the same way. So in the same way, my subconscious was trying to keep me safe from getting on a plane because a plane was life and death, but it wasn't, it was just a scared four-year-old who was told his granddad's business partner died. But as soon as I could feel that from an adult perspective, my subconscious didn't have to protect me from getting on planes. And from the entrepreneur point of view, it's protecting the entrepreneur for being judged if they fail at their next project or protecting their ego for judging themselves. So by working through the memories that are creating the fear of judgment, Typically, these sort of invisible force fields start to fall down. To anyone listening to this, the way you sort of have an idea of if this sort of works and be useful for you, if you think through your business and your life, think about the places where you know you should be doing something, but you can't bring yourself to do it. When it feels like there's a physical response to something that shouldn't have a physical emotional response. So with entrepreneurs, asking for investment is one that comes up again and again and again. Like... The fear around asking for investment and being rejected when they pitch their business is one of the major ones I work on with people. So if the thought of asking for investment makes you feel sick, makes you feel like it's holding you back, you can't sleep at night, then there's probably some work to do on your mindset. For some people, it's sales calls. For some people, it's firing people and they end up keeping staff way longer than they should <laughs> because they're just uncomfortable having the conversation that the person's just not doing their job. But the level of discomfort is higher than the discomfort of getting rid of the bad member of staff. So it's anywhere there's this like physical tension that's stopping you doing the thing you know you should be doing. And that's where it's a mindset coach is going to be valuable. And a business coach can't really help you do it because you already know that's what you should do. There's not a strategy issue here. This is a mindset issue because you're not doing the thing you know you need to do. If you just don't know what to do, then you should be speaking to a business coach or a strategy coach because it's not my job to give someone business strategy. It's my job to help them implement the strategy they know they should be implementing. And it will either succeed or fail, but then we have accurate data and then we can do the same thing again. Do what you believe is correct. We succeed or we fail. We move forward. We succeed or we fail. We move forward. And at least you're moving in the direction you believe is correct and we're learning the lessons from it. So that's one of the key differences. Like, should I get a business coach? Should I get a mindset coach? If you know what you should be doing and you're not doing it, you need a mindset coach. If you've got no idea of what to do in your industry, you need a business coach. Yeah. And I think even just still being early, what I've been finding and working with you is I know the things I need to do after talking with you. It's not that everything has disappeared and kumbaya, all of a sudden I'm now like, oh yeah, I, I'm not scared. I'm not this. I'm not worried. It's that I framed it better in my head, that it's less noisy. Yeah, so, so it should be like turning down a dial is the way yeah. I describe it. Oh, cool. So if the dial's high, like, so again, we go back to my fear of flying. Like I said, it was a nine or a 10, mm -hmm. it's now a two. And it's the same thing when we're dealing with fears around business or failure or anything else. It's not on an off switch. It doesn't go from really high to zero, but it goes to manageable and you can start bringing yourself to do the things you know you should be doing. So public speaking is another one. Lots of people come to me. Public speaking is a huge fear for people. So a lot of people come to me. Hey, Elliot, I'm terrified of public speaking. 
my mouth gets dry, I'm throw up before I get on the stage, etc., etc. Very extreme responses. A hypnotherapy session isn't going to get that person from a 10 to a 0. The hypnotherapy is going to get them from a 10 to a 6 or a 7. They will then be able to do more public speaking and put more practice in, and that practice will get them down to the very low numbers that they want. But it unlocks the opportunity for you to try, and then the practice takes you down to the lower levels. Yeah, I think it's that practice too. That's what I've been noticing a lot. And a lot of our conversation, sorry, everyone, I'm sort of generalities here, but it's the idea of using practice. I think sometimes when there is fear or just angst around something, we swing for it. That like, I'll just wing it. I know from my own experience. And then also I can sometimes see when I talk with other entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, wow, you're amazing at this, 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 and this. But then I see them do something and I'm like, ooh, I've done that too. You see them be a very structured, very organized about X and Y, but then Z happens and you're like, why did you do that? And I think that's that moment where it's like, I know I need to do this. I just want to get it done. I found that in talking with you and listening to things, it has allowed me to maybe practice more because it's less of the worry of, well, I'm not going to be any good at this, so why even bother? It's, okay, if I do practice, yes, I'm not going to be amazing, but I will improve and then therefore gain more of my outcome that I'm attempting to go, you know, to work on. And that's an interesting thing, I think, that it is hard sometimes to put into play that practice when you know you're going to do it poorly. <laughs> the public speaking is always a fun one, which is great to do a podcast then about. As you move forward, as you've been expanding this, the individual coaching is obviously not a scaling type of thing. That's more about the curation, I think, for you. Where do you want to see this go for you overall, the two sides? I've got coaches I've trained. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm high price, I'm high ticket. We have a number of coaches who I've trained and and they can sort of from, I think the cheapest is like 150 bucks an hour upwards. So there's a coach I've trained for every different price range. So that's the starting point is I wanted to share the way that I view hypnotherapy and coaching because what I do is quite different to how hypnotherapy is traditionally taught. I've sort of got a different take on how it should be used and how it should be implemented for high performance. And I've done like over 14,000 hours of high performance hypnotherapy. Like no one else has done that as far as I'm aware in the world. So I wanted to share that. And then the app, obviously I want to grow the app. And then from my side, like I, I just enjoy doing my job. <laughs> so I don't want to retire. I don't care if I never have an exit, if we never exit Prime Mind, like it doesn't impact me at all. And I'm also very lucky in terms of, I, I've worked with billionaires, you know, I work with a lot of very, very rich people. And I'm fortunate enough to see that an amount of money doesn't necessarily solve the problems. It just gives you more options. So I'm not really fixated on a, I need it to reach X. I make a good living. I enjoy my day to day. Like one of the things we always say to clients is there is no happy ending. There's not a day when you have your exit and everything in life is now good. But people think there's going to be, or like when they get a medal at the Olympics or when they win the UFC belt or when they, whatever, nothing solves everything. It's just a cool story on the way. And I, I think a lot of people get stuck on this idea of if I have an exit, that means I'm enough or everything's better or what. But the truth is, it's just one part of the journey of your life. And enjoying the journey is the only part that's relevant. For me, as I say, I get to talk to super interesting people doing interesting things. 
and I get to be a part of a journey of a lot of different versions of life. I've been ringside at UFC fights. I've been to watch the ice skating championships. I've seen clients on Wall Street make insane amounts of money. I've had people IPO companies. Lots of people sell companies for very large sums of money. Like I get to be part of those stories. And really, that's enough. So I want to teach more people. Over time, I'll pick up a few more coaches. We'll do a book at some point. We're going to do a poker book this year. And then I'll do a general sort of business book probably in a couple of years' time. And then just grow the app. But for me, it's mainly about keeping an interesting list of clients and keeping fun conversations and hopefully... I never retire. Like I'll talk to people until they don't want to talk to me. Yeah. Too old. Like that's my <laughs> like people. Like you're just out of the loop. You're not worth talking to anymore. Really. Like that's how I see. You know, until my 80s, if I'm lucky enough, if I never do anything different, I'll be quite content with that. And that's genuine. If I won the lottery next week, I would still do all my sessions next week. Like nothing would change. And if nothing's going to change with that, I don't need to focus on an exit or, or any, like when just my life wouldn't change very much. Very cool. Well, if an entrepreneur is sitting there and realizing that they're not doing the things that they know in the back of their head they should be, how best, you know, not just to come talk to you, because I do think it is worthwhile, definitely download the app, Primeline, and kind of do it, but how can they best approach preparing and deciding on working with a mindset coach? What should they be doing to prep themselves one is just be honest with yourself about how much money the issue is costing you right so if your company needs investment and you're not reaching out to investors because you're scared you need to be working with someone if you're not making sales calls you need to be working with someone so if they're these extreme examples i would just say just be really honest like if something's costing you a hundred thousand plus a year you should be talking to someone as soon as possible if it's causing you a bit of discomfort but it's not costing you that much money then you can afford to take a slower pace with it and maybe start with taking on a meditation practice getting physical you know all of the self-care needs in place sometimes that fixes things so i mean in terms of my side i see a personal trainer five days a week I take a sauna at least five days a week. I have a massage once a week. I do assisted stretching. I see my own coach once every two weeks. I take the self-care extraordinarily seriously because I know I perform better for my clients if I do. So if you don't have self-care in place, like get your self-care in place. But I think the key thing is just be honest. I mean, I'll have lots of people will do their first call with me and they're like, yeah, I believe this issue is costing me a million dollars a year. And they've been sitting on the issue. They haven't been working on it for three years. I'm like, okay, so, so far this has cost you $3 million in your mind. How are you not working with a professional to solve this problem? <laughs> like, it's like this, it's just start to understand the difference of how much more money you make by solving that problem faster and just see it as, as a maths equation rather than anything more than that. It's just, if there are people who can help you solve something that's costing you huge amounts of money, it's just maths. And that's the way I would frame it for someone who wants to get started and a fun exercise to go through. So let's say that you hate making sales calls and it makes you feel sick when you ask for the sale. What I would say is get yourself into a calm, peaceful place. Have a think about what that feeling is when you'd have to pick up the phone and pitch the customer. And usually they'll say it's a sickness in my stomach, a pressure in my chest, and then just try and connect it back to earlier memories and start getting an idea of what else might have felt that way in life. 
and it will start usually showing you a bit of a narrative. Oh, I also felt that way when I asked out a girl at college and she rejected me in front of my friends. I also felt that way when I stood up in class to read a book and I didn't do it very well and the whole class laughed at me. It gives you an idea of the sort of core memories that are creating the physical response you're feeling as an adult. These are systems that were really good for evolution. You see a tiger, your mum screams, you're then scared of tigers because your mum screamed. Incredibly useful in the jungle over the last 100,000 years, not very useful in modern life. And we're just battling against what used to be a very useful evolutionary tool. And now for success in the modern world, it's not as useful. Being expelled from the tribe, being rejected was life and death for 50,000, 100,000 years. Now it's not relevant if a girl turns you down because there are loads of women. Like a few thousand yeah. years ago, there's three women in the tribe. If they all turn you down, like yeah. you're going to have a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really serious. This is us just battling against what is evolutionarily logical. But these things can be changed. As I say, everything's malleable, but you have to put effort into it. And you have to accept it's not an on off switch. As I say, it's a dial we're gradually bringing down over time. But that then allows you to have the space to put yourself in the difficult situations to have the practice which it's sort of like building a foundation from which you can switch to that growth mindset without holding yourself back very cool <laughs> sorry i am just smiling because i'm like i'm going to be re-listening to this shortly <laughs> elliot what is the best way for people to learn more about you what you do and about prime mind Okay, so uh, Prime Mind's simple. iPhone or Android, just search the App Store and type Prime Mind. And as I say, you can download it for free. There's a load of stuff you can try for free. And then if you want to have access to all of the audios, there's, I don't know, you, you pay an amount a year. And then if you're looking at the coaching, there's an application form on elliotrow.com. So there's just a coaching application and fill out that. And then we'll have a look at who's the right fit for you coach-wise. For an entrepreneur, there's going to be a price range where we can find the right person, right level of experience for you. And then if people are working with me, it's realistically, are you looking to reach a very high level of success? Is your mindset costing you a very large amount of money? And if it is, I might be the right fit. But if not, I can find someone who can help. But there's just an application form, as I say, on elliotrow.com. And there's a load more information there. Very cool. We'll have that in the show notes, in the email when this episode goes out. And then also, as always, on the socials. So, Elliot, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Man, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, well done for digging into the work. It's an exciting ride. Yeah, it is. And everyone, as I've said, I have been working with Elliot. There's a lot of value in sort of looking at that. What am I not doing that's pulling me away from the big picture that I've set for myself? So, Elliot, thank you for the help you've given me. And everyone, hey, thank you again for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. Please, if you enjoyed the show, Think about maybe giving us some stars on iTunes. Yeah, it really does help these things. iTunes likes it when you click the button and give people a rating because then it'll show other people this show. So please, if you enjoyed it, go give us a review. It really does help us. All right, everyone. Talk to you soon. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon.
拜拜。